Hi, good morning. I'm JB Phillips. Um, sorry about my voice. I'm a little under the weather here. Uh, my kids this morning were praying for me, and my little girl, her prayer was that if a loogie comes up, I'll be able to swallow it instead. <laughs> <clears throat> so hopefully that doesn't actually happen. Um, I've been taking Dee's leadership class for the past several months, and I'm very thankful for the class and what I've learned from taking it. Um, I give it a really high recommendation. It's fantastic, and all of us in the class appreciate um, the time that Dee's given us in that class. If you even have the slightest interest in it, I'd encourage you to sign up. I put it off several times just so I don't have to do this part right now. Um, <clears throat> but I'm here, so uh, we'll see if we can get through this. So I, was, I also had the fear to commit to this class. It's a pretty big commitment, um, but I felt led to take it, and I finally did. The goal of the class is to um, help us grow and learn to be more Christ-like with our character. And I'm making small steps in that right direction, which I'm very thankful for. It did require sacrifice, like everything else in this life that's important. Um, giving up Saturday evenings was very tough for me, which included watching sports or doing chores around the house. But after taking the class, I'd easily make the same decision again and sign up. One of our final assignments is this right now, to speak to you on a topic that we learned. And there's plenty of topics that he covered that I could talk about. And I settled on the topic of being a positive person. I really could have talked about any of the lessons from Dee's class, but this one was pretty valuable, um, even though all of them were good and had useful material. In class, we learned to be effective leaders, whether it's with our families, spiritually, or at work. It really helps when people like us and enjoy being around us. A powerful tool in getting people to like you is to be positive to have a positive attitude and a positive outlook. People tend to be drawn to others that they like, so to do this, we start by acting and speaking more positively. What does this look like? Being a positive person starts with being a positive thinker. An irrevocable law of God is that we act the way that we think, and to, po to act positively, we need to think positively. So let's start with negative thinking, what that looks like. Fretting, worrying, feeling sorry for ourselves, being bitter, anxious, angry, or spiteful, these are all examples of negative thinking. We need to find a way to replace those negative thoughts with positive thoughts. When we read our Bibles, this keeps us in tune to what's negative and what's positive. Dee taught us in our class that there's four sources for your thoughts. Yourself, God, the world, and Satan. The more you read your Bible, the more in tune with God you get, and you can pick out those thoughts that are negative and not coming from God. Negative thinking has consequences. It causes us to speak negatively, and when we speak negatively, we influence people negatively, and then we actually lose blessing from God. In Matthew 12, 35 through 37, a good man brings good things out of good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil th things out of evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. By your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So let's try to speak positively after hearing that. <clears throat> Have you ever been around someone who's always negative and never noticed how their attitude tries to rub off on you? The same thing happens when people are positive, but has the opposite result. For example, last year my family was at a baseball game, and we happened to be sitting by a fan who was very polite, but over the top with energy. He wasn't, didn't have the normal baseball energy that you hear fans with, 
You didn't hear him boo or criticize the umpires. He was very uplifting. And after listening to him and enjoying his entertaining angle on cheering, he had a clever nickname for each player on the team and was always encouraging them and the team. Later in the game, we were chatting a little and I asked him about his approach and he or described himself as the happy heckler. He wore a t-shirt that his special needs students helped him design and he had a lot of them made, a whole backpack full, and he sold them to raise school supplies for their classroom. After spending two weekends next to this guy, we were very encouraged by his positive attitude and our entire family joined in with this constant flow of verbal support for the team. We ended up buying two shirts from him, thanked him for his attitude and the influence he had on our children who were next to him for the two weekends of baseball. The very next weekend, we ended up seeing him on TV several times in the crowd at the College World Series, and we were reminded of his positive energy and the attitude and the influence he had to all those that were around him. He was a great guy to be around. What if we all had a little bit of that positive energy? It's very contagious, and we can use it to influence people. The happy heckler certainly did. We can all have that power from God to be that positive person. One way is to proactively plan what, how we're going to control our thoughts. If you're always falling short on your thoughts, you can replace them with a memorized verse. Dee mentioned numerous times to us um, about practicing. He told us that control, controlling your thoughts is a skill. And if it's a skill, that means that we can learn it by training. And practice is training. You can train yourself to be a positive thinker by practicing positive thoughts. The best way to control your thoughts is to memorize scripture and replace them with a negative thought in your mind. We also learned that or we also learned that memorizing scripture is not practiced by very many Christians. It's hard, but it's life-changing and plays a significant role in our character development. Romans 12:2 says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I've been working on this skill of controlling my thoughts for the last couple months, and I'm making some improvements. I'm far from perfect and fail multiple times every day, but each day I think about where I came up short, and I confess it, and pray to God to help me to do better. Think about being more positive. Being negative is exhausting to yourself and everyone around you. God wants you to be positive and thankful. In Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. In Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. One of my requests to God each day is that I can be more positive. And then I'll end with Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Thank you. Hello, I'm uh, Gary Howell. Uh, I've been coming to JBC for about two and a half years. I'm currently involved in Dee's accountability class and his leadership groups. I have quite a few friends and relatives here today. They were told that they were going to witness a miracle. <laughs> because if you know me very well, you know that my, my being here 
short serve and is really pretty close to a miracle. <laughs> yeah, the way I understand it, I'm supposed to talk. Uh, you guys are supposed to listen. And we're all supposed to get that finish line at the same time. <laughs> Martin Luther King once said, I might not be the man I want, ought to be, want to be. I may not be the man I ought to be. I may not be the man I could be. I may not be the man I can be. But praise God, I'm not the man I once was. Jesus spoke in a lot of parables. I think he knew that we'd listen a lot better if we told stories to make a point. I love stories. I'm going to tell you some of the stories and quotes that I read in the books and, the, and stuff that we've been going through with these class. And they all made me sit back and think. There was once a tightrope walker who performed unbelievable aerial acts. All over Paris, he had done tightrope acts at great heights. He followed his original acts with harder ones, walking blindfold on, walking blindfold on the tightrope and then while pushing a wheelbarrow. A promoter in America heard about this and wrote him, inviting this daredevil to perform his act over Niagara Falls. He added, I don't believe you can do it. The typerope walker accepted the challenge. After much promotion and playing, the man appeared before a huge crowd gathered to see the event. He was to start on the Canadian side and walk to the American side. Drums rolled and everyone gasped as they watched the performer walk across the wire blindfolded with a wheelbarrow. When he stepped off on the American side, the crowd went wild. Then the tightrope walker turned to the promoter and said, well, now do you believe I can do it? He said, sure I do, the promoter answered. I just saw you do it. No, 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 said the tightrope walker. Do you really believe I can do it? I'm, I just said I did. I mean, I mean, the tightrope walker, I mean, do you really believe? Yes, I believe. Good, said the tightrope walker. Then get in the wheelbarrow and we'll walk back to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> the word believe in Greek means to live by. How often do we say that we believe Christ, but we don't have the courage to get in the wheelbarrow? Our faith is not complete until it is accompanied by action. How much information do we need before we get out of the boat and walk on the water? Will Rogers once said, even if you're on the right track, if you don't move, you'll get hit, run over. There's a wonderful story about Jimmy Durante. Now, I actually know who this guy is, so it kind of dates me a little bit. But anyway, he's one of the greatest entertainers of a generation ago. He was asked to be part of a show for World War II veterans. He told them his schedule was very busy and he could only afford a few minutes, but if they wouldn't mind him doing one short monologue and immediately leaving for his next appointment, he would come. Of course, the show director agreed happily. But when, I, when Jimmy got on stage, something interesting happened. He went through his monologue and then stayed. The applause grew louder and louder and he kept staying. Pretty soon he stayed 15, 20, in 30 minutes. Finally, he took a last bow and left the stage. Backstage, someone stopped me and said, what happened? I thought you were only going to stay a few minutes. Jimmy answered, did have to go, but I, but I can show you the reason I stayed. 
you can see her for yourself if you look down in the front row. In the front row, there were two, two soldiers, each of whom had lost an arm in the war. One had lost his right arm. Uh, the other one had lost his left arm. Together, they were able to clap, and that's what they were doing exactly, clapping loudly and cheerfully. To go on kind of what David, uh, JB said about being positive, that it goes, those guys had a lot to being positive. Now this teamwork and action, spirit that takes away, God wants us to work together. Whatever obstacles in life, we have to work together and get things done. It is said that a company is only as good as its worst employee. I think we can say that about Christians in church. How we do the little things, small acts of kindness, smiling, giving each other words of encouragement, being friendly, courteous to others. Those small acts reflect on the church as a whole. You never know who's watching you, observing you, how you carry yourself, what's going to get them to come back to church next week. We have a responsibility to each other and everyone around us. When we first become Christians, we're trying to save ourselves. Then the responsibility sets in. We are responsible for everyone around us, neighbors, friends, strangers, enemies. Do the little things that can swing them to become Christians. Let them see we are different in a good, godly way. In Hebrews 13, 16, we read, and do not forget to do good and show, show with others and do, do good and to show with theirs for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Let them see an excellent in commitment and passion. Can you imagine the feeling you would stir up, say you walk up to a friend, tell them as of Sunday, I have prayed for you every day for the past five years. I think this would make a good impression. Here's about the story about putting yourself out there, taking risk in life. A man saw people love each other, and he saw that all love made strenuous demands on the lovers. He saw love require sacrifices and self-denial. He saw love produce arguments and anguish, and he decided it cost too much. And he decided not to diminish his life of love. He saw people strive for distant and hazy goals. He saw men strive for success. I knew I was forgetting something. Women strive for high, high ideals. He saw that the striving was frequently mixed with disappointment. He saw strong men fail. He saw it force people into pettiness. He saw that those who succeeded were sometimes those who had not earned the success. And he decided that it cost too much. He, not, he decided not to soil his life with striving. He saw people serving others. He saw men give money to the poor and helpless. And he saw that the more they served, the faster the need grew. He saw ungrateful receivers turn on their serving friend. He decided not to soil his life of serving. And then he died. He walked up to God and presented him with his life, undiminished, unmarred, and unsoiled. His life was clean from the filth of the world, and he presented it proudly, saying, this is my life. And the great God said, what life? 
I don't think this is what God had in mind for our lives. He wants us to get down and dirty, be other servants, people's servants, doing whatever it takes. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Didn't get Jesus get down and, and wash the disciples' feet? If it was good enough for Jesus, shouldn't it be good enough for us? 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Notice it says, works. Plural, not one work, but works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Looks like God was preparing in advance for us, and all we had to do was accept his bidding. God doesn't want our success, he wants us. He doesn't demand achievements, he demands obedience. For the ugly defeat of the cross, a holy God is utterly glorified. Victory comes through defeat, healing comes through brokenness, and finding oneself comes through losing oneself. At Christians, we are set up to fail, but who really wins? Is it the people that take the easy way that follow the rest of the world? When we fail in the world's eyes, I think we're winning in God's eyes. Philippians 1.21.7 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then wherever I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know you stand firm in the Spirit. Proverbs 4.23, these are some scriptures I kind of go by. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do it flows from it. Psalms 1.2, those who delight and meditate day and night in God's word. 1 Timothy 2.5, those who study and show themselves approved. Colossians 3.2, those who set their affection on the things above and not of the things of the earth. John 8, 29, those who do always those things that please God. Hebrews 6, 9, those who embrace and practice those things that accompany salvation. Familiarize yourself with these scriptures and need for them in our lives. A lot long ago, long after I'd been coming to JBC, I got invited to come to men's accountability class. Then I was invited to attend men's leadership class. I was the hesitant to attend both, but I had grown to be close friends with guys in my accountability class, and I talked to people who had attended the leadership class. Every person said, changed their lives. So I figured, since I've messed up a lot in my life by doing what I wanted to do and not following the Lord's bidding, I decided to attend the leadership class. And you know what? It changed my life. Exactly what everyone I talked to told me would happen. Imagine that. <laughs> now, not only I, I uh, have a bunch of new close friends, I finally figured out where I belong, and I committed to new study prayer habits. When I started going to church, I wanted, this, I wanted if this church would live up to my expectations. Now I hope I can live up to the church and God's expectations. I hope this church blesses all of you the way it has me. Last but not least, my mom's here today. I wanted to say thank you to my mom 
for praying all these years for me. Uh, it says in the Bible, bring up the, your child in the way you should, not, should go and he will not, not depart from it. Well, mom, your uh, prodigal son finally came home. Hi, my name's uh, Ed Smith. <clears throat> I have a little recommendation before I get to my message. Um, if you haven't taken Pastor D's leadership class, I highly recommend it. Taking Pastor D's class will change your walk with God to a run with God. We are asked to run the race with endurance and to run to win. Taking Pastor D's class will give you the tools to victory. The uh, title of my little message is Milking the Cows. Milking the cows is a pastor deism. You've probably heard him use this analogy before. It refers to the fact that you do not have a choice when you are a dairy farmer. You must milk the cows every day, every day. This also works for the seven basic disciplines of a Christian life, which are Bible reading, praying, worship, giving, gathering, seeking wisdom, and confessing sins. These basic disciplines you'll excel at if you are as faithful to them as milking the cows. Read your Bible every day, every day. For only 15 minutes a day, you can read through the Bible in one year. Seeking wisdom and reading the Bible are synonymous. Proverbs 3.1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And are Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Psalms eleven nine says, with his mouth the godless man destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. The great commandment, Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 39, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We can fulfill the great commandment very effectively by speaking positive words of grace, gentleness, encouragement, and praise. By reading your Bible every day, your heart will be transformed. Praying is another discipline we need to do every day, every day and it works together with confessing our sins. When we are talking to our Father every day, we need to start the day or end each day by confessing our sins. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As a Christian headed for heaven, we still sin and our sins have significant consequences if not confessed to God. Our unconfessed sins break our fellowship with God. Faithfully examine our life and confessing our sins will result in growing freedom from the power of sin. With much prayer, there is much blessing, but with little prayer, little blessing, and no prayer, no blessing. Jesus practiced prayer regularly, and that reason alone should convince us and convict us to pray regularly. 
Worshiping and praising God is the most often given commandment in the Bible. Worshiping God is what we will do for all eternity in heaven. There is no discipline that will help us sense the presence of God around us during the day as much as worship. Singing is the major way God has determined he would be worship. Singing and worship is a fundamental key to being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Pastor D says that we need to sing real loud and don't be proud. So I want to apologize to anyone sitting in front of me during worship service. Remember, I'm singing to the Lord and not to you. Gathering together and worshiping are disciplines that we need to do weekly with our church family and in small groups. We receive God's grace from other believers when we are gathered together. God's presence is manifest when we are gathered together, and our spiritual gifts function best when we are gathered together. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. John 13, 34, 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Giving is another discipline that should be obeyed either weekly or monthly. We don't own anything. It is all God's. And when we give back to the Father, he blesses us. Giving our money to the Lord's work will cause us to grow closer and closer to the Lord, and we will experience his presence more in our lives. Giving sacrificially will inoculate us against worldliness, and the money that we give to the Lord is waiting for us in heaven in the form of eternal rewards. God uses our giving as a test to see if he can give us greater responsibilities in our serving him. Luke 16, 10 11, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? Proverbs 19.17 says, One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad. If all our work is burned up at the judgment day of Christ, we will still be saved and live a new heaven forever because we are saved by faith alone. However, if we work hard for the Lord, many other people will be blessed and be in eternity and the kingdom for what we have done. Wise people will always make decisions in this life with one eye on the judgment day. To be an effective disciple of Christ, we must practice these basic disciplines. We are to love God, and we are to love the church, the bride of Christ. God gives power to those who serve him by doing ministry in the church. God also gives joy to those who serve him by doing ministry in the church. 
God will bless us if we give our time and money to the church. Our best work will always be in cooperation with other people in the church. Our love for Jesus is no greater than our love for his church. There are many areas of ministries to serve in the church, from homeland and world missions to groundskeeping, cleaning the buildings, children's ministries, Awanas, men's or women's ministries, and many others. We need to get off the couch of life and get involved in a ministry. From my experience serving in Awanas, I'm inspired by the first and second graders who not only memorize scripture, but also all the books of the Bible. It's hard for me to whine and complain about memorizing scripture in Pastor D's class when I see these young children do it so easily. Even though I can't find my car keys or know what day it is, I am able to memorize scriptures. By memorizing scriptures, you're able to recall verses when you have sinful thoughts. You can stop them in their tracks. If I get irritated with traffic or whatever sin I have committed, I have a verse that immediately puts my mind in the proper perspective. Pastor D calls these our personal prayers. Mine is Psalms 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It immediately replaces the sin with a proper thought. John Maxwell, a former minister in Southern California, told this allegorical story. The story is about a farmer who had an oxen and a mule, and they all worked well together. One day, the oxen thought he would pretend to be sick just to see what would happen. Well, the farmer gave the oxen good feed to eat and a nice place to lay in the barn, and off to work the farmer and the mule went. The oxen thought, man, this is the life. At the end of the day, the oxen asked the mule about the day's work, and the mule replied, it was okay. Oh, we didn't get as much done as usual. The oxen thought, man, I'm going to do this again the next day. And sure enough, he was rewarded with fresh hay and a soft place to lay in the barn. So at the end of the day, when the farmer and the mule came back from work, the oxen asked the mule how the day's work went. The mule replied, not very well at all. We didn't hardly get anything accomplished. Because the farmer spent a lot of time talking to the butcher. <laughs> Reward or consequences? That's your choice in this lifetime. <laughs>